Morning, and welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. I'm Hagen Hauschild. Yeah, and I guess I'm Jackson Russo. I'm Adam Sully. And today we have, from a thousand things which I will mention, uh, we have Brat Cantrell, and I'll mention all those thousand things throughout the podcast. And then we also have Jack from Duncan Fellows, which is a band from Austin. And what's your last name, Jack? Jack Malonis. Jack Malonis. That's a that's a romantic name. But yeah, so... <laughs> romantic fellow. Ooh, so, we got Jack Malonis. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I felt like I almost forgot that, and you just told me. But you're from, Dun- uh, from Austin, Texas, from a band, Duncan Fellows. But you are here today in Denton, Texas, talking to us, because you're recording a solo album with Brack. What is that? Tell me about that. What is that? <laughs> the solo record? Um, so it's been like almost three years in the mating, making now. Um, it started uh, It started with songs I wrote kind of about the grieving process and extended into this long uh, whole structure about that, really. I called Brack out of the blue. We didn't know each other and asked if he wanted to go to Massachusetts to a barn in the middle of nowhere to record an album with me. It really freaked me the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> and I can only imagine his, uh, what he first thought when I said that. But we actually did it. And so we went to this big, huge barn that sounded incredible. Um, and also a silo that sounded incredible. Made this record and, uh, have been working on it since. I actually remember it because, uh, my band, uh, recorded our EP with uh, Brack. I remember walking in one day and he was working on something and I like asked what was that and he explained that and that's really yeah. cool. I didn't know that was you and I'm actually like right now I'm realizing that was you. So <laughs> what I have heard and that was over summer so that yeah. months ago. We started that about a year ago. Yeah, the records. It sounded incredible what I heard then so I can only imagine it has gotten amazing. So I'm super stoked and now I'm just got like giddy that you're on this podcast. That's <laughs> fucking great. So in Duncan Fellows what do you do? What are you in um, that band? In Duncan Fellows I'm playing the synthesizer and I got a good bit of backup vocals. Alright. Usually and- the fifth. And I assume you're doing most, if not all, in this in this solo project. In this, yeah, I I played everything except drum set for the most part. I think uh, Brax also got some glockenspiel in there. That's right, man. That's my that's my claim to fame on that record. <clears throat> Just curious. Um, so Brack is from Denton, Texas, which is where we are, and you're from Austin, Texas. That that's right. where you live, right? Right, right. Okay. Um, so how did you find Brack? That's another great question. So I have a buddy um, that I live with now. I went to elementary school with him, went to high school with him. um, And I was talking to him about producers. Hey, who should produce my record? And he mentioned Brack um, because I think he had sold a Space Echo to him, (laughs) sold a piece of gear to him a long time ago. Like that was their only connection. I had done like a couple mixes for him in the past. Okay. It it had been a long time. Yeah. So, so they had, they had a little bit of a connection and then I'd listened to some of Brack's stuff when I was in high school. So I recognized the name and I was like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'll immediately call him and ask him to go to Massachusetts. <laughs> it was like it was really that quick. It was like a day turnaround for me to decide to to do that. No shit, I didn't know that. I mean, I think that's kind of how uh, it worked for us when we decided to record with Brack. Because I was like, okay, I'm gonna go through like <coughs> all the people I can find in Denton that record and like 
Brack was the first person I went to, and I was like, yeah, this sounds perfect. I, I don't need to look any further. It's kind of one of those things where it's like you go out to shop for a car, and then you find your, like, the best one immediately. And it's like, well, I don't need to look any further. So yeah. that brings us to Brack. Uh, you do a ton of shit. But <laughs> uh, what I, at least what I think you're focusing on right now is your, would you call it a studio or a label? Kind what do you call of, it? Yeah, it's hard to classify, man. <laughs> So Dojo Baby is something uh, Rob from Cozy Hawks, a band that, that I used to play and play drums in, um, Rob and I began, and we, we initially started it as kind of a thing to to help just friends' bands get their records out to people. Um, we did some, like, a short run of tapes for Pearl Earl. We released my solo album, a couple, couple other just, like, small things in the beginning. And, um, you know, I had been recording people here and there, but... When we decided to do that, I saw it as kind of like an opportunity to get more people in the studio and just kind of expand that that side of things. So yeah. it's kind of now I definitely do more recording. We haven't been releasing things for people as much, so it's kind of gone more over into that uh, that side of things, which which I really enjoy, man. I really love collaborating with people on albums, you know, yeah. not just capturing, but also like being able to give my input kind of on things and hopefully play a little bit like I did, you know, on, on Jack's album and yeah. stuff. And um, I just love collaboration, man. It's, it's a fun way to work. Yeah, I mean, what I heard from your solo record, Jack, is like, it, it was more, I wouldn't say folky, but it was more of that kind of, you know, essence. And whenever we got Brack, uh, we got him to play like some synthesizer on our album. And um, it, it was some pretty funky stuff. Or It, it was just really cool. It, it changed what... Shit. It, it, it changed what we thought we were going for, and it was amazing. Yeah. So I don't know if you got any of that from Brack, but if you haven't yet, you should. It's oh, absolutely. great. Oh, yeah. Just little things like that. We we started off really, like, Jack had some really cool demos he sent me, and it, most of all the demos were just acoustic guitar and vocals. Like, they yeah. were super sparse. Yes, that's how I wrote the songs. But even from the beginning, I was like, hey, I don't want this to be a folk album. I want it to be something that's a little bit more interesting. Um it really broadcasts like some musicality. The choice of folk instruments is purely a tonal thing to get across the vibe of the album. Yeah. You know, the hint of sadness there, that kind of thing. But, yeah, and and I think it like it, you know it's come a long way. Like they've they've come from like stuff that you really did just kind of write, I guess you know, vocals and guitar, and then we worked on the songs together and. You know, we thought, oh, what could we do to make this part, you know, expand? Like, what other instruments could we have here? How could we orchestrate it? And they just turned into a really cool thing, man. Yeah. It felt like, a, uh, I don't know, a journey. Yeah, it was a journey. <laughs> it's a good way. To yeah, it was cool. So, Brack, you said you, uh, you, one of the things you like is you like to collaborate with people. Totally. So you also like to, you said you hopefully can like play on people's records, you record and stuff like that. So you play it, like, what do you play, I guess? <laughs> I'm, I... Tell people I'm mainly a drummer and a bassist, but I, I started out playing guitar. I like picked up guitar. When I was yeah, like about you 14, play 15. you play everything well, right? I'm a uh, jack of all trades, master of none. No, but I mainly drums and bass, uh, guitar, a little bit of keys, and, and I sing a little bit too. Um, but just whatever it calls for, man. Like you know, I don't want to like pigeonhole myself and say, "Oh, I'm a drummer" or whatever. Like I just like music and I like to contribute. So. Yeah, you're, you're, I know you're a singer because I'm pretty sure we had class together. <laughs> Did we do men's course? We together? had a men's course <laughs> together. What, who's the Who's the professor? I had. Um, was it Cameron? Maybe. It was It was after Cameron. 
David? Yeah, yeah, David was cool. Yeah, yeah, David. Well, also, I listened to you sing when I was in high school, so. (laughs) (laughs) You can't sneak that past Uh, me. I wouldn't call it singing. No, it was. It's one of those things where, like, Brack was like, I've seen him play in tons of bands, and, like, you guys stop, you're giving me chubs, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sitting here thinking of, like, I, I think in every single band I've seen you in, you play something different. Like, okay, so. Let's start off. The first time I saw you was with Cozy Hawks, and um, in Cozy Hawks, you played drums and you did backing vocals, correct? Yes, and then totally. Also, in um, Bad Beats, Bad Beats, Bass I, and, and backing yeah. vocals. Yeah. I always, every time I mention Bad Beats to somebody, and they're like, "Oh, what's a good like a punk band around here?" I'll mention Bad Beats, and oh, thanks, man. but I'll always accidentally say Bad Brains, and that's a whole different caliber of like, <laughs> very yeah, very different. Uh, but yeah, so you play bass and backing vocals yep, and yep. that as well. But then also you're in this new group with um, Jared from Mink Coats yes. uh, called Diva Cop, which is a great name. Thank you. Yeah, we just started that uh, a few months ago. I kind of, I don't know, man, I get, I get bored really quick and I want to move on to different stuff. Like I, I think genres I will kind of like come across and I just get fascinated with them for a little bit and I want to like kind of channel that and I, then I move on to the next thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, I don't know. I'm kind of restless musically. So, I mean, that's exciting, but it, it was just one of those things where I noticed you're playing with all these bands, but you're also playing different things. But even in the studio, when we were working with you, it just, uh, the band, listening to the mixes you have worked on you would like pick up an acoustic guitar in the background and just kind of like solo over like the mixes and i was just like huh i wish i could do that and then like even like when we were talking like oh okay i didn't hit this note perfectly when i'm singing and you're like okay that's a that's a tay and i'm just like okay you're uh, calling out like solfege and i was like whoa man this guy knows what he's talking about vince course what up No, Music man. theory for life. Yeah, some of that stuff, yeah, that just finds finds its way into your brain and never sticks with you. Oh, it, it, <laughs> I, I, find, I find myself constantly, whether I'm teaching or just like listening to music, just going, oh, nice for me. Yeah, really good. <laughs> oh, plagal cadence? <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, music five theory. Five. Dude, I don't know, man. Like, some of that shit is really useful and interesting, and then some of it is just, it's it, going down a rabbit hole and there's no need for it. I don't know. See that, that for me, music theory like helped me so much because I was like, I, I couldn't think I could I, I could write music okay I guess, but mm-hmm. when I came to music when, when I like learned a ton more about music theory, like it was like everything was open. And I was like, Whoa, sure, that's how this whole thing works. But then, anything. but but then the other end of that is also it's like it is like a rabbit hole, and I like lose. I feel as though sometimes like when you focus so hard on the theory and the rules and stuff, you like you lose yeah. almost like a sense of humanity. Oh, totally, dude. At the end of the <laughs> day, sure. all that matters is if it sounds good. Like yeah. that's my whole yeah. philosophy with everything. Like it doesn't matter unless it sounds good, and you got to please yourself first. So like, yeah, dude, does it sound good to you? Cool. It's so hard to uh, get that through to people and. Uh, there's like just so many instances where like so like you're supposed to play on guitar with your thumb like lined up with the neck but I like to play mm-hmm. the bass lines of my guitar like <clears throat> the root note with my thumb yeah. and like some people when you see that they'll get really frustrated like that you're not supposed to do that but it's Sweating. also the same with mixing where somebody will say like oh you're never supposed to um you know put a um EQ on the master and sure, it's like yeah. well if it sounds great what are you telling me to do it's yeah. just like it's I wish a lot of people who love theory so much would also be able to, you know, 
love the fact that like yeah this isn't you know what I'm supposed to do but it sounds incredible it's like being set to music dogma what is (laughs) the point of that absolutely yeah and if people didn't you know try new shit then we wouldn't have like you know what we have anyway so that's like you know we wouldn't have had atonal music and that's just beautiful so (laughs) (laughs) god damn it how do you how do you feel over there Adam with all this music talk I, I was in band in high school, and that's about all I know. That's nice. great. <laughs> you were, you, you had band at first I did semester. band one year at UNT, actually. Just marching band. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool, man. What'd you play? Uh, saxophone. Oh, yeah. That's awesome, man. And but it's I, been a while, so... I wish we were a video podcast, or I, I hope everyone who's listening to these podcasts now knows what you look like, but if I were to, like, someone was <laughs> to put a gun to my head and say, okay, what this instrument does Adam play? I would say saxophone, because you look kind of like, you know, I picture you with, like, sunglasses and kind of doing the Bill Clinton thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just kind of picture it, because you're a very stoic dude, and it's just like, and then you pull out the saxophone, you know, sex appeal. Yeah, you fucking rip it, and then you just walk off like nothing happened. Exactly. Sure, I wish. You drop the sax. Metal break the saxophone. You look more like a, a timpani, a timpanist. Is that a word? Timpanist. I don't know. Timpanist. 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 We'll stick with that. I feel like you could hit a timpani really well. Uh, uh, maybe. Can we go? Maybe can so. we? Can we go around and you say what you think we should play? <laughs> <laughs> our yeah. This is a great game. This is awesome. I obviously am the didgeridoo. Didgeridoo. Yeah, Ooh. that's a that's a that's probably gonna be a Samus David Junior song. Oh my Shit. god! <laughs> Did you redo? Credit me, man. <laughs> Speaking of uh, all the bands you play in, also with Dojo Baby, some artists I just pulled the first three that I thought of sure, that you yeah. worked with. But if you want to mention any of the stuff that you've done, because I know you've done it more than just a couple of people, but the big ones around town in Denton are. You've worked with Pearl Earl before. You're yep, working with totally. them now on yep. their new record, uh, Mink Coats. I know you did that first one, did their first EP. Are you doing their? I, I you... did their their first EP and then the next one. Okay, yeah, so yeah. you did basically all their stuff. Too. Yeah, anything they have up on Bandcamp. But... And then uh, I'm wearing a Mother's Tongue shirt today yep, totally. for the exact reason that uh, I love those guys, and uh, you just worked with them on something that I haven't That's a great yet shirt. to release. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I every time I wear that shirt around, people give me the weirdest looks. <laughs> and since no one can see it, it's a it's a zombie Gene Simmons. Uh, Got a nice it broccoli skin flavor. Yeah. <laughs> What's a skin flavor? It's exactly what it sounds like, man. Well, it's broccoli. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Duh, what is what is broccoli, man? You, you recorded the second Cozy Hawks album, right? That yes, was all you, totally. And yeah, um, Indera. Yeah, yeah. That came out. Uh, I guess almost two years ago. It, um, it's been that long. It's been a long time. Yeah. I feel wow. like it was just last year. For real, I was just listening to that record. That like, I'm sorry, that you're right. No, it was it was last year. It's all starting to kind of. What's, What's that poster? Yeah, yeah. totally. totally. It, it came out. Uh, you guys can fact check me while I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> just so everyone knows, I have the Cozy Hawks album release poster on my wall, says, right above Brack's head, and we're sitting here arguing. June, yeah, yeah, when it came out. <laughs> Feels like forever ago. But it was actually June 11th ago. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty damn recent. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, guys. It was free with mother tongues, but it, it also wasn't with them. 
Oh yeah, they had to cancel that night. <laughs> yeah, too. I remember. But, but go ahead. Oh yeah, so like recent projects the last year. Uh Jack's album has been going on this whole year. Um <laughs> Yeah. We're we're wrapping it up this weekend, so that's a really good feeling. It's it's sounding great. Um Duncan Fellows is other band. Um You're working with them? Yes, currently. And that's almost done as well. Mother Tongues is mixed, done, it's just getting mastered. Um just wrapped up the new Pearl Earl record, who I collaborated on um, with Alex Bohr. Um, from, he works at Elmwood Studios in Dallas, which is super cool. We did we did most of it there. We did a little bit of it at my house, but we, we mixed everything there and um, tracked a lot of it there. Um, I just did something I really liked. Uh, my, my buddy Stephen Fisher uh, and Dan um, from Ethereal and the Queer Show and, and uh, this, this fella named Darren... Um, it's a three-piece band called Us Presidents. They've never played any live shows, but they've been they've been writing music and they've got some really cool stuff. That's kind of like a, I don't know. It's kind of like sad indie rock. Cool, <laughs> sad boy. Yeah, sad oh, boy. Rock. It's cool. It's really good. Um, did y'all's lovely record, the Moniker record? Very cool. And hopefully, you'll be doing the the Moniker LP whenever Absolutely. that comes around. I, I'm there, man. Um, I know, I'm forgetting. Oh, I, I did a, a solo record for this guy named Ryan West. Do y'all know Ryan? I don't believe I do. He's, he's a dead knight. Um, he lives in Dallas now, but yeah, I think he like grew up here and everything. But uh, he just had four four songs he wanted to do, and it was it was really neat. He had some cool stuff. He's a great singer. Um, I know I'm forgetting a few. Well, it when they come to you, yeah. you said you're obviously <laughs> a busy dude. And did you do the, the Bad Beats record as well? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, um, you forgot that one. I think you're luck, in that band. Yeah, yeah. Diva Cop. <laughs> did you do that one too? Or Diva Cop. Aren't you guys, did you already record or are you no, guys planning on it? We're yeah. working on it, man. That's that's still pretty new. Yeah. Um, we took a little bit of time off over like the New Year's just because I had some other recording projects going on. But we're, we're getting back into the swing of things. And that's just like, you know, it's a two-piece. So. Yeah. It's pretty pretty straightforward, kind of heavy, fast stuff, which is fun because I haven't played in like a heavy band in a while. So. Yeah, so it, it's, it's nice. So you mentioned with the the Pearl Earl record that you recorded it somewhat in your house and then also in a real studio. Mm-hmm. This is a question I had because when we recorded with you, we did it all in your house True. for you know sake of comfort, but then also you know it's a budget thing. It's also it it sounds amazing when uh, you hear what there are plenty of big records out there that, you know, have come from, like, recording in a house. I think, like, most, if not all, like, Blink-182 records are, like, recorded in a house, which is cool, because those are (laughs) giant records that are played, like, pop records on a radio. So, uh, my question is, is, what do you prefer, recording in (laughs) either your house or a house, or going to a studio where you have, like, unlimited toys, kind of? Yeah, sure, it just depends on what you're trying to achieve, I think, man. Um... You know, there, there's something to be said for recording, you know, drums in a studio because the room is great and there's plenty of microphones. And, but there's also something to be said for, like, having passable gear at your house because you have all the time in the world to yeah. get things right, you know, whether that's the take or, like, positioning a mic exactly right. Like, the the more I do it, the more I realize just having time is super important. Yeah. And when you're on someone else's buck, it's it can be a little nerve wracking. Yeah, exactly. Without the pressure of the time constraint, I feel like you can be more creative. Totally. A lot of the times, too, and get more time to experiment. And yeah. Outside of your just rehearsed set. At the end of the day, I mean, also if it's a good song, it's not going to matter where you record it. You know yeah. what I mean? 
there's been plenty of great albums that don't particularly sound really good, <laughs> you know, but the songs are so good that they just translate no matter what. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to be devil's advocate here. And you said, yeah. um, <laughs> you said that, uh, with the time crunch, you know, it, it, it's nice to have all the time in the world, but do you also sometimes think like, okay, if I only had two hours to track this song, every single thing overdubs and every single part of the song, is it kind of nice to be like, okay, maybe I didn't hit that part perfectly, but it adds character, or I need to come up with this part really quickly, <laughs> yeah. like, and sure. I don't need to overthink this, because sometimes I'll start a song, and then, you know, I won't finish it for like a month, because yeah. I'm sitting there like, ah, oh, this isn't right, this isn't right, when in the beginning, I had a just fine song yeah, that was yeah. done, I just overthought it. It's easy to overthink things and take too long on things, and, um... I, again, I think it just kind of depends on the situation and the project. It's always different, man. Yeah, everything is always so different. Um, <clears throat> I've I've done both. I've I've made things I'm really proud of and like constraints and yeah, there's little mistakes, but it just makes it cooler that way. Yeah. And then I've I've made things that I've spent a ton of time on, and I'm glad I spent a ton of time on them because they needed that, you know. So it just yeah, it just depends, man. There were things that I was going over my recordings and the one that we did with you, Moniker did with you, I uh, I noticed that there was one part where I was playing and I my string on my guitar had somehow pushed above, like, out of the bridge. <laughs> and I can hear it, like, scraping because I had a distortion on. And, like, I was just like, I don't know how I didn't notice that when we were recording. But honestly, I think it sounds really cool because it has this nice kind of gritty feel. Yeah. And what happened is it, it had apparently slipped out and then slipped back in. Slipped yeah. back in like, within that take, so I was like, that sounds really cool to me, and, like, I'm sure no one's ever gonna notice that. And if it sounds good, it is good, yeah. right? There you go. <laughs> I hope that's true. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, also, Jack, you, um, don't prefer to record in a house or a, um, a studio, correct? Yeah, well, I mean, that was my first, like barns, man. that was my first, uh, destination recording experience, and it kind of, it kind of started with, um, I was with my aunt and uncle. They live in Western Massachusetts, and we were taking this tour of a barn restaurant, having a conversation in the loft of this uh, huge barn. And I just thought to myself, "Holy shit, this sounds incredible! Like this conversation sounds incredible. I would love to record an album here." So I just asked the owner, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" That's awesome. Um, so that was that was how that's not expecting you to take him up on it. Um, <laughs> That being said, I spent a lot of time at Brack's house doing records, both with Duncan Fellows and my own stuff now. And I really like it because, like I was saying earlier, you have the time to experiment. You have the time to uh, try new things. And I'm a big fan of like writing parts in the studio. Having improvisation and kind of your emotional mood there play a role in it. Yeah. So... So you've so you've done destination recording. So I'm gonna assume you've gone on tour before. Yeah. Okay. Brack, have you gone on tour before? I have, man. It's been a long time, but I did a little touring right out of high school. Okay. So, what were you guys' favorite like ups and downs of tour experience? <coughs> Cooking or playing the shows or what venue? Like, 
fucking ruled and what venue was just like disgusting and you don't want to go back or you don't <laughs> so have to mention that venue by name if yeah, you yeah. Want to. <laughs> <laughs> you go it, first man tell us some stories is it fine to mention it by name <laughs> that's completely up to you I can do that I okay, mean you're so, talking to a whole you know maybe 60 people here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so with Duncan Fellows we pretty recently did a tour on the west coast like Seattle to San Diego um, hitting all the cities there, and that was an unbelievable experience. Uh, definitely the best part of every night was playing shows, because the rest of the day was driving and or waiting. But um, the best show out of that whole set was at the Troubadour in L.A. Nice. Um, and part of why it was so cool is because we got a call from our manager midday. It was like, hey, how are y'all feeling? Um I'm not saying that y'all have to kill it tonight, but there's a lot of important people, so y'all have to kill it tonight. And so, and so we were like backstage throwing up, like nervous, ridiculous, and, and uh, we got on stage and it all worked out. It's one of those feelings, which to me is the best feeling in the world of starting with a crowd that really does not care about you, playing song after song and like gradually winning them over until by the end of the set, they're just stoked on what you're doing, and that's kind of what happened that night, somewhat magically and somewhat serendipitously, um, and that was the best feeling of the tour, one of the better feelings of my life, probably. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. That's good feeling, yeah. You got any uh, shit stories, though? <laughs> oh, dude, yes. Psychological <laughs> <laughs> stories, so, though. The level of excitement from, from like how great the story was before, and then like getting really excited to tell shit stories is awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was a yeah, really beautiful time in my life, but oh my god, let's talk about the bats. <laughs> yeah. So this is maybe even a better story. Uh, there you go. So we talked about how I play synth. Um, every once in a while, Duncan Fellows, I'll pull out a guitar, because that's what I grew up playing. Um, so we had... Th- the day before the set, we had a set at the Sundown at Granada, which is not the Granada. It's like their little restaurant that plays shows, like starting at midnight. Yeah. So yeah, what, they, yeah. they've both played. Yeah. There. yeah the the idea of the place is like when Granada, when the show at Granada is done, you walk over to Sundown and you you go see like the free local band and, and keep drinking. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So we were that and. Um, I'm from DFW, so I had a bunch of friends there and stuff. And we had, for some reason, the day before, decided that we were going to play The Boys Are Back in Town. Yes! Um, Shut up! (laughs) No, for real. This is is like... This is like... This is like finish very your relevant story. To us. Finish yeah. your story, and then we—I will tell you how relevant <laughs> it, that is to my life, dude. And so, and so that song, like, not that it's difficult by any means, but it swung a little bit, and we had practiced it once or twice. Oh, maybe. dude, those drums are hard. Man. And so, those drums are totally hard. And so, I got on the guitar, like, waited for the count off, and our drummer totally started off with like the wrong kind of groove, and then I didn't know where I was, so I started off with the wrong kind of groove, and it was a train wreck. Um, so we got through the song, like. Barely, barely making it through chord changes, and then it came to a solo, and I mean that was disastrous too. And we we got done with the song, and all of us looked at each other, and I've never felt more like, "Hey, get me off this stage!" <laughs> like, like if I could have, I would have just put down put down any instrument right there and walked off. So the beautiful thing about that story <laughs> is, so on tour, uh, we just. Moniker and Kites and Boomerangs, which are both Hagen's bands, 
and I'm in um, Monaco with Hagen, and we went on tour together, and so on the tour, I have, and in my car, we took two cars, and in my car, I just got on this, like, as you do when you're driving for so long with people, you just get, like, you go insane, and you just start saying anything, and it's hilarious, but I started going on this rant, I was like, how come, it was 2016 at the time, but I was, <laughs> I was just, uh, I was going on this rant, how come it's 2016, and we only have one song about the boys being back in town, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, you know, I kept saying that. And finally, we pull up to our first show in Austin at the Mohawk. And Hagen had already beaten us there. And he's just sitting out at like a, a meter right out front of the venue. And we just like roll down our windows and we're all like acting like surfers. Hey, guy, the boys are back in town. And just yelling. And that became like something we did the whole tour. It's just like quoting the boys are back in town we were using it on like facebook posts and instagram posts nobody understood it except for the people on the tour like and we were just playing it we would roll up to like so playing it in kansas city we'd roll up to kansas city and turn the song on as soon as we see that sign it like i'm glad you brought that song up that's great. That's a good memory for you because now anytime that song plays, we're like, no, fuck that. Turn that off. <laughs> that is my worst memory. That was, and, and Put like, more than you could chew, huh? Yeah. <laughs> for me, that song is not, was not fun because I was like tired and I was driving like alone most of, like, most of the tour and I had, I was following them and they switched drivers and I completely lost them and I was like, Jesus Christ! Okay, now I've got to pull over. I've got to find my way to get him. Oh, the boys like, are gone. Yeah, the boys are gone. <laughs> so I'm like, I pull up to the venue. I'm tired. I just want to go eat. And I'm waiting for them to show up, and they just pull up. Like, yeah, the boys are back in town. <laughs> uh, it was just so fun. And I think I got a picture of Hagen like leaning up, like you know, just checking his phone on a wall in Austin, and he's just like sitting there outside the Mohawk in Austin, just like all pissed off. And I got a picture, and I put like I drew a little thought bubble on him and it was like the boys are back in town was just, <laughs> I was just honestly I was spamming that everywhere and it was just so funny yeah I love that song yeah. it's so it's great, great. <laughs> it's it's crazy it's crazy how one song can be so hard like different there's there's two different views right now <laughs> very very different views right now well, let, let's try it again how do you feel about hey ya <laughs> I, I mean I like it Oh, damn. That's such a lackluster response for such a banger. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a banger. I I, I loved it when I was in middle school, you know? So, have you listened to it? I've it a little bit since then, but I still love it. Have you listened to it? fellas. Recently? Yeah, have you listened to it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We just go that till the end of the podcast. <laughs> no, but that was another thing that happened on tour is like somebody like, you know, you're switching off music. So not everyone's just listening to, you know, a bunch of prog metal the whole time when some dude in the back loves Lady Gaga. Yeah, I um, so <laughs> I don't know which we're... part I get, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> but we're sitting there and like, so somebody gets a hold of the aux cord and, Wow, I just got lightheaded from laughing. And 
And then, Don't um, so somebody, mm-hmm. like, they play a song, and she's like, oh, okay, never heard this song, it's not great, but, you know, it's his music, let him listen. And then his second song was Hey Ya. Everyone in the car goes crazy, and we're just all sitting there screaming, and we're like, ah, there's so many Andre 3000s, it's crazy, and we're all singing it, and then we could never follow it up, like, we peaked so early that none of the songs we played after that were good. I understand that. That's it's how great maybe that the song perfect is. car song. It is. <laughs> Especially when you have, like, five dudes in a car who are just losing their mind. When you just have all right to the 20th power, like... Exactly. <laughs> and it's great, because I'm sitting here complaining about how long we're in a car losing our mind, and we're driving from Denton, Texas to Austin, Texas, which is three, three and a half hours at most. And yeah. it's just like... That's not a bad drive at all, especially when you have everyone driving. You didn't drive to, you know, the New England area to go record in a barn, so... No, I definitely did not do that. That was a drive. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen, uh, do you know Andrew Bird? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Have you seen his, uh, his barn? He has a, so he has a house, and, uh, he has a barn on his property, and his barn is completely, uh, he, like, turned it into a studio oh i've heard about it he's doing sessions there and stuff yeah and he uh for his album break it yourself if you look it up like uh you can um he has like a whole i think he plays the album all the way through and i think it was them recording it as well and it's honestly i was watching this video like oh that that looks like somebody's house and then i found out oh that's on his property that left it's beautiful it's like this whole like giant open space that you know it's not like a barn i don't know what the barn you recorded in was like but it was like it was nice it was you know yeah he made it all uh nice looking i'm bad with the words right now that's the that's the dream (laughs) that's kick-ass man i love that record too it sounds incredible he's a huge influence it's like my favorite hagan and i saw him at austin city limits this year and god it was incredible and so like radiohead was playing that day and as we said earlier uh, I'm a huge Radiohead fan, and I was like, I don't know if anybody's gonna top this for tonight. And Andrew Burt topped it, like, was better than Radiohead in my perspective. I agree, and like, I agree. it was so incredible, like the musicians he plays with. Oh my god! Yeah, the the, the full band thing really blew me away because I, I mean, I've listened to a lot of Andrew Burt, but I haven't seen him live, and really like seeing him in that full band setting was just very, very, it just, and the, luckily, which was rare at ACL, the crowd was actually not assholes yeah so my biggest rarity especially recently yeah Yeah. so that was my biggest thing it's like so you know there we're not very fratty dudes none of us are nothing against frat dudes but like sometimes that's all of our listeners yeah some frat dudes can be dicks and like rush sigma car (laughs) so like we had these like fratty dudes right in front of us during andrew burn i'm like ah these guys are gonna be dick and ruin the show but like Every time Andrew Bird would do something incredible, like, he was, like, looping, like, an eight-part whistle solo with all these parts where he's just whistling on a loop oh, pedal, yeah. and it sounded amazing, and this guy turned around to Hagen just with his eyes open, jaw dropped, goes, is he making that so- sound with his mouth? <laughs> and, like, it was just like, this guy is, like, I'm here being a dick judging him because he's a frat guy, and, like, he's enjoying this just as much as I am. Yeah. That's how incredible that concert was, so... Uh, this uh, episode has been sponsored to you by Andrew Bird. <laughs> no, that was incredible, though. Yeah, yeah whereas like whereas like Radiohead had the people that were like like talking on the phone really really loudly. Yeah. There was like there was like a couple that like got what? in front of us, and they, and he turns to the girl and he goes, "Did you go out last night?" 
I went out last night. Oh. I got home, made a smoothie. Yeah, blackberry. It's like, oh my god. You gonna go out after this? Oh, I think I'm gonna go out after this. You wanna, you wanna join? Oh no. And they just kept doing that. Yeah, and I was so pissed. And like, Hagen wasn't, it isn't a huge Radiohead fan, so he was just kinda like, hey dude, go into the middle of the crowd, get away from these people, I know what this means to you. So like, I, I, I went and found my place away from the loud people. But what happened was, is like, Radiohead had like a two hour set, and then the band across these festivals, they'll have like one person on the, uh, one end of the field and another band on the other end of the field. And they're normally like polarizing yeah. like bands. So that way, you know, whoever can go listen to whatever. And on the other end of the stage was Major Laser. But their set was only an hour and a half. So at like the last 30 minutes of Radiohead, all the Major Laser people came over. And that was like when they were playing like the songs. I was like, oh yeah, this is it. Like, but man, wow, that shit was crazy. That's an interesting combo. It really was. <laughs> Duality. <laughs> Did you see that Adams for Peace set a couple years before, by any chance? I don't like to talk about this. <laughs> because, so that was my first year going to ACL, Austin City Limits. And um, what happened was, is so, that was the first year they canceled because of rain. Uh... I was there during the second weekend. And it was an incredible weekend, and then Sunday was their first day, and I think it was 10 years, that they had ever canceled during rain. I was like, this is the whole reason I came, because Noah and the Whale was playing that day, um, Tame Paula, The National, um, yeah, and Adams for Peace, and Lionel Richie, too. So I was like, Whoa. ah, yeah, so I don't like to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. It's all good. Wow. I'm... I have the Adams for Peace record right here, though. I was there the first weekend, and it literally moved me to tears. Yeah, I'm so. sure it was incredible. And then I found out they played a show at um, Moody Theater. Where, yeah, at Moody Theater for like ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Wow! I got oh my, my money back for the uh, festival though, which was nice of them since yeah. they canceled that day. But it was still like, I wish I'd gotten to see that because that that was why I went. I was like, I want to go to this festival, but like I don't know if I want to pay that much. And I was like, oh, who knows if Adam for. Adams for Peace will ever tour again, like, because it's kind of like just a on-off group. And so I went, and I didn't get to see them. Damn. It's a heartbreaking story for me. Next time, then. Yeah. yeah. When the boys are back in town. <laughs> oh, my God. They'll <laughs> have That's... to get the boys back in town. No, they'll get yeah. the boys Fleeing the boys. Do you have any uh, tour stories, Brad? Oh, my God. Tour stories. <laughs> uh... Which one are you going to start with? The good or the bad? <clears throat> we'll start with the bad. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. see. Um, I don't have anything like super crazy. I didn't tour that long, man. I had like a couple tours, like right out of high school and that was it. Uh, but one of them, I, okay. So we, we had this like RV, which was really cool. It was like a Winnebago and we pulled like a huge trailer, way too big for it. Anyways, we were in like Philadelphia one time. I remember we were pulling up to get it. We were like super excited to get like Philly cheesesteaks. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I think the bassist was like sleeping in the, you know, they have this little overhang over the cabs or whatever, little overhang spot. He was sleeping up there and we saw like a, a Philly cheesesteak spot on the side of the, uh, side of the street. We we're like, okay, that's the fucking place we're going. <laughs> and, uh, we pull over in the RV and the, I guess there's like a metal overhang over the building. And it totally just punctures through the place where our bassist is sleeping up there. And every as soon as we did it, we all just like froze. We're like, Neil, Neil, are you alive? And he was like, 
what the hell just happened? <laughs> and the fucking overhang had come in right over the top of his head, man. Like, oh, literally God. while he was sleeping. Yeah, dude, it was I, the freakiest thing ever. When you were talking about uh, how you had your bassist, like, sleeping in a bed, I almost made, like, a Cliff Burton joke. And, like, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I almost made that joke, and then you kept going. I was like, oh, my God. You almost felt really bad. Were you in Metallica? <laughs> so he died that week. Did he actually? No, he didn't. Oh, God. Um, that's like, we're cutting this out for sure. This is being edited out. No, that's staying in 100%. Rewind. So, yeah, that was that was scary. That wasn't really shitty. That was just scary. Well, that was kind of shitty. So, Brack was in Metallica. Yeah, it was. Wow. Yeah, but we duct taped the hell out of that and we kept going, man. Um, Did you change your name from Kirk to Brack? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's playing drums, dude. Got my, my birth certificate. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask when he changed his name from Lars to yeah. Brack because I'm not gonna put him on that level. We don't want to insult you, Brack, by calling you <laughs> Lars. I think this is the second Lars he plays joke. What's needed when it's needed, man? Come on, guys. We're gonna take out the double bass. I can't wait for him to just take out all the bass. And just, <laughs> I can't wait for him to replace stop. it with another ringy snare, maybe. Yeah. Crash yeah. hand drums. Yeah. Just put a snare down there, man. <laughs> um, other, I don't really have anything else that, that's like sh- super shitty. Well, I have some stuff that I don't want to talk about. Um, well, then don't say I that. Won't say it. Uh, What's wrong with you? It's yeah, it's borderline offensive, so I'm not going to go there. Um, Please do. What? Uh, I remember specifically one time we played a venue in New Orleans that had like a three story flight of stairs, and we had one of those fridge like Ampeg like base cabinets at the time. And it took all of us, like, about an hour to get it up there. That's it was incredible. ridiculous. It, it was unbelievably Hagen's band was playing a show um, at uh, the House of Blues in Dallas, and they have this room, the Cambridge Room, which is, like, their VIP lounge, yeah. and they'll have some shows up there. And the only way to get into it was an elevator. And, man, I made such a big stink about that that night. I was like, this is bullshit. This is a fire hazard. Who just has an elevator? And the whole time I'm throwing a big fit of it just to kind of hide my claustrophobia and, like, not wanting to get in an elevator unless I have to. (laughs) Where I was just in there, I was like, man, wait, you had to carry your gear in the elevator? What? That makes no sense. And, yeah. But do you not ride elevators? Is that not no? I, I definitely do. It's just like if I can uh, not do it, I try not to. If you can avoid it, yeah. It's do you just... get weird in airplanes? Like if you have to be in the plane for a long time? No, not really. That's good. I've gotten no. I used to be super claustrophobic, but I've gotten I've gotten over it. Like I ride elevators. Like I'm not like I ride elevators. <laughs> I'm definitely like, trust me, man. I'm not beating on, my man. chest at all. <laughs> no, I, it's just one of those things, man. I don't know. Claustrophobia is fun. Sometimes I'll like. Uh, get, like, uh, in a roller coaster, and they'll put this shit down on me, and uh, I have a fun time on the roller coaster, and then after it, I'm like, alright, I want out, I want out, and I'm sitting there like... I don't want to go again. Yeah, like, I'm like, yo, this isn't my life, dude, I didn't sign up for this, I'm done. Yeah. You're now owned by Six Flags. And sometimes, Congratulations. Like, sometimes I get freaked out, and, like, uh... Sometimes I won't lock uh, public restrooms, uh, the bathroom door, because, like, if there's not, like, a window or something in that bathroom, like, I'm just like, hey, it's not worth it, because I know I'm going to freak out in this room. Like, so, uh, there's, walk in. there's a place on the square, J&J's, here in Denton, and uh, they, their bathroom is all the way in the back of this uh, place, and then you open the bathroom door, and there's not even a mirror, so, like, in the 
handle at J&J's for the bathroom is super, like, weird, and, like, I feel like if I turn it too far, I'm gonna get stuck in there forever, <laughs> and, like, I don't get service in that bathroom, so I, I actually get a little worried when I have to go to the bathroom at J&J's, because I'm like, ah, oh, dude, is this the day that I get stuck and I can't yeah. get to my friends? It's, like, all bricked in, right? Yeah, and there's, there's no it, windows. It's just, like, dark bricks, there's no window, they don't have a mirror, they just have, like, they, I think somebody so drew... you couldn't a, even slit your wrist if you... Exactly. <laughs> somebody draw, drew a skull where there was a mirror, and it's just like, fuck this, I'm not locking this. Yeah. Somebody can look at my penis so, all they want. Are you going to talk about your problems with bathroom doors every episode now? Yeah, this is my therapy. Yeah, last episode I talked about this. This is a big problem in my life. With, and I'm fortunate enough to live in a place where my bathroom door just won't keep shut. <laughs> So yeah, it's nice. Uh, you have to be blessed to uh, have that door shut. <laughs> like it, it, yeah. So I'm just lucky, man. You're lucky, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so what good? That was a great it? tangent. Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> That's making it. So another tangent, Brack. You have a song with your cat. Ash. Oh Ash my God, is a I talkative do. cat. I do. Yeah. That's on your uh, on the Glass Caverns record, which yes. is a solo record, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, age, the Age of Waste. It's yeah. on Bandcamp. Um, your solo record and your uh, Glass Caverns, which is also solo, because you have two records. You have a Brat Cantrell record. Uh, yeah, it's confusing. I'm sorry. They're both incredible, though. <laughs> Thank so. you, man. Well, I put up Balance Problems was like the first solo thing I ever did. Uh, that's... I put out like three or four records under the name Balance Problems, um, which is like from high school until like my first years kind of in Denton. Um, and then I did Glass Caverns for a little bit, which was more like, it was solar records still, but it was more like kind of psychedelic type stuff. Um, and then I put out, uh, I think 2014, I put out um, a solar record under my name, Rack Control. Yeah, I just... Glancing Below. That's also on Bandcamp. I just remember uh, you... Uh, so when I was recording an album with you, uh, your cat, Ash, mm-hmm. is super talkative, and, like, whenever we would set up, like, oh, a shit. mic in yeah. a room, we would have to make sure that, uh, Ash was in the room with you, so he wasn't in there just, like, chatting with me yep. in the mic, and so I, I just kept, it was great, he's an amazing cat, but we were just sitting there talking, and I was like, man, dude, this is, like, hilarious how much your cat talks he's and learning then, English right now he, he he's must close be. he really is close <laughs> he's starting to yes yeah, but then you words. brought up that uh that oh yeah I actually sampled him in a song and then I listen I'm like oh he's just gonna be in the background it's gonna sound stupid and it, it he is the front of this song you sampled your cat <laughs> and it's a is. good song it's a really good song thank you it's so funny, and I, we better put this in the show notes because I hope everyone who listens to this you should close out your podcast with that song. That, if we have permission, I'll do it. Permission, crazy. This will be the first song that uh, yeah. appears in the podcast. Then oh, perfect. I, I remember we were recording, we were listening back to the mixes. We were in your room listening, and Ash knocked over your symbol. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a thin symbol too, so I think your face, like, you're a pretty relaxed guy, Brack, but like, I think your face, like, when you saw which symbol it was, like, I think you got a little worked up, you're like, and then you, like, picked it up, he and you t- He regularly tests me. He does, some, <laughs> he does some fucked up shit, man. He knows more than you think. He dude. does. He knows how to push my buttons. Uh, well, does, does, does he do that shit because he's like... Pay attention to me, or because yeah. he's like teach me how to play drums, or like he, he wants all the attention all okay. the time. Yeah. Okay. 
He's he loves Jack too. He's really into Jack. He, he's been <laughs> after us all day. <laughs> he's also really obsessed with getting spanked. Like, yeah. yes. <laughs> like hard. I, the, I guess the first time I saw like, a oh, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jack or the cat? It's a <laughs> relationship. Yeah, I mean, it works both ways, definitely. We sampled the spanking in the record. Dude, oh my god. So, how, how Yeah, you... Lars Ulrich, actually, that's his snare drum. So. <laughs> <laughs> the Saint Anger. <laughs> wow. Man. How, how did you discover that, that Ash liked spanking? So, I actually watched Anna, Brack's girlfriend. What looked like. You watched? Beat- beat the shit out of Ash. <laughs> she was like very violently just slapping slapping his haunches. And we're like, is that cool? And she's like, no, he loves it. And turns out he loves it. <laughs> turns out he loves it. Did you feel did you feel like like it was appropriate? Did you feel like it was dirty? Like what, what how did It's you... like a little bit dirty. You feel a little dirty. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know he's getting off. It's definitely <laughs> You're fully aware what this is doing to him. Yeah, yeah. he's got a little a sick. He takes sick pleasure. In it. <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. He does. I love these things that like you uh, figure out. Like you think, and it's just kind of like innate, and you're just like, oh yeah, like you're doing this to, to this guy. You're like, no, he loves it. It's not weird at all. And you think, like, man, how did they figure that out? That's really strange. And it's like, because I think about, like, who discovered, like, yogurt and cheese? Did they just get, like, really old milk one day? And they're just like, <laughs> and there's, like, some dude who was always eating, like, that, like, disgusting old moldy milk. And that they're just like, he's like, trust me, dude. Yeah. One day you'll see. This is incredible. It's a perversion. Yogurt is a perversion. Yeah, and that guy's name was Albert <laughs> Cheese. And now we all know him as Cheese. There we go. Amen. That was the intro skit right there. <laughs> I, uh, Play yeah. the head. I'm planning. I'm already thinking. Let's see. Oh, I got a, I got a little fun game we could play. Um, where are you going? Sit down here. No. I, I got a fun game. Don't lock the door. <laughs> yeah. There's a window though. It's, it's, oh, okay. Okay. Lock the door. We can. Uh, what's, the, what's the game? What's the we're game? gonna play this game. And then uh, Hagen's gonna go pee pee in the potty. In the potty. In so the, in uh, the potty. Pee pee in the potty. <laughs> Everyone can answer if they want, but you guys first. Kill fuck Mary. CD, vinyl, or cassettes. Or and cassettes. Yeah, this is a really weird question. No, it's a great question. I, like I didn't it. say it was bad. I just said it was weird. No, it's great. <laughs> Wait, Wait you kill fuck Mary. You've played this game, right? Yeah, but uh, w- w- CD, CD vinyl. vinyl. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. I have an answer. I got it. So go ahead. Mary weird. vinyl, because it's forever. In terms of years, it's lasted the longest. All fuck right. CDs. There's the hole in the middle. Easy. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I got a small penis. I can get straight in the middle of that vinyl. Yeah. And if you got a forty-five, there you go. Yeah. Well, there's, there's two holes. In what are you saying, man? Um, Just yeah, those have the. I mean, there's there's the little tines around them, though. <laughs> but that, oh, that, that'd yeah, be more point. fun. That kill, could be more, invite a friend. Kill tapes. <laughs> kill tapes. Not because I dislike tapes, but uh, I mean. They're not fuckable or marryable at this point, so... You took it literally, and I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about it? What's your answer, Brack? Have uh, you thought about it? Okay, I'm gonna kill CDs, because all my CDs break anyways, so fuck them. How? Like, snap? Yeah. How what? do you do that? What I, are you I doing with your CDs? I just my drawer where I keep CDs in my... I keep them in the glove box in my car, and they're just, like, snapped. I don't know, man. You're really, really strong. I guess... <laughs> Finish your statement, sir. Uh, I'm going to kill CDs. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck vinyls because they're just sexy. <laughs> Got that big format Whoa. artwork. Yeah. Ooh, they're just alluring, you know. You pay um, a lot for it too, so you know it'll be a good fuck. But you're gonna marry cassettes. <laughs> marry cassettes. Man. Wow, that is a bold move. I, I feel like I'm gonna have a lifelong relationship with cassettes. I feel like I really will. I'm just curious because I think you're the only person who's gonna say that um, in this group. Uh, do you, so I used to have a car that only had a cassette player. Sure, I, sure. I had like the Doors greatest hits. I had like Method Man and Red Man, like completely weird stuff, but yeah. great cassettes. Um, do you have like a cassette player at your house that isn't in your car? Yeah. I, I often wonder about yeah. these people who love that stuff. And to tell you the truth, I don't like regularly listen to cassettes all the time. Um, Although I do have a really dope TLC Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls cassette. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I only break it out on special occasions. But um, once we get home. Yeah. Put that on. <laughs> <laughs> See we'll open the wine. Um, but I just I love recording stuff to cassette, man. Even if it's just for like little That's little overdub things, loops and that kind of thing. God, I love the sound of cassette. I guess I've never done that, so I don't know that. We'll record y'all's next stuff on cassette. Trust me, we have ideas, so... We'll we'll dump one to cassette so you can see what it sounds like. (laughs) So, my answer is... Wait, did you have I was going to ask if he... Do do you go on runs? Do you run? Do it. Do you run? Ah. Oh, I I was just curious if you use a a Walkman. Oh, no, but that'd be tight. A run man. A run... Yeah, okay. No, I wasn't going to make the run man joke. I was just curious if he... he, It wasn't a joke. It was a... Okay. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what yeah. I would, uh, I would kill cassette. Um, and here's my thing. And I guess I, I'm wrong here, but I don't feel there's a superior quality and sound in cassette. And not everyone has a cassette player. I may be wrong there, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I would marry vinyl because there's something beautiful about having to sit down and listen to a whole record as the artist artist intended. Instead, like, because it's hard to, you know, like, oh, I want to listen to this track, so it's hard to directly place it on there. You can do it, but you have to work a lot harder. I mean, that applies to cassette as well. Yeah, but... And also, what if, so, they, what if they recorded on cassette? Then it, then I was ready for this. It. I was ready for this. <laughs> so we got this superior sound on, or what people claim as superior sound on vinyl. But then you also have... Um, Shit, I completely forgot, man. You really got me there. <laughs> I have I have I an argument ready for this, but it's not. Nope, my I, I, would, I have an argument, but I don't have it now. <laughs> I would fuck CDs because you know it's fun to skip around. Sometimes, sometimes you don't hey. want to listen to the first song. Hey. So, uh, do you guys want to answer? Or do you not? I, I don't have an answer because I don't own any physical media. So. Yeah. So I, when I was making up, if this I did, question, though, it'd be vinyl. So let's say, kill, fuck, Mary, wave, MP3, eighth. I was gonna do that, but like that's way too nerdy. MP4. Yeah, let's. Yeah, no. That becomes harder. This is a higher level thinking. Yeah, that would basically <laughs> just be you. Okay, if I were to play Mini. an MP3 and okay. a wave, like, and I didn't tell you which one was which, could you tell? If if what, you, it depends on the speakers. MP3 and a wave. It like, depends what kind of what kind of MP3. Okay. Yeah. If I'm it's not. 320 in wave, maybe, maybe it just depends. But it's like yes. Yeah, you between, think between the stuff it's that, pretty between noticeable. my stuff that I've listened to, yeah. yeah. Depending on the source you're listening, to, you know, if you're listening to studio monitors, I feel like it's yeah. easy to tell. That's true. Back to yeah. mono. I have the same answer as you. By the way. Yeah, yeah. Hagen has the same answer as me. What did you guys marry? Uh, CDs. Vinyl. Vinyl. That's right. So we got two. 
Three married by the way. Yeah. Yeah. One dummy marrying cassette. <laughs> now you do you keep do you keep a pencil in your pocket at all times to rewind it? <laughs> no, he keeps a pen. I wanna say on the record that I don't want to kill cassettes. That was just my only option. Like is, I love cassettes. Is that a big problem in Austin? Do you feel like you've just offended? Because I feel like I have offended if anybody from Denton is listening to this, a good amount of people in Denton by saying I would kill cassettes because yeah, there's a they're big market here. Your band, though. Dude, it's, yeah. more, it's more of a self-realization thing. Like I'm going to release my record on cassette, and yeah, lot, lots of. So there's a uh, one of my favorite bands, Coking Cambria, has this special edition. I, every tour they do, they have a special edition. Hagen's leaving, by the way. What right are the bathroom I, now? Right as I start the Coking Cambria discussion. <laughs> I'm sure oh, I'm about to leave too. Let's go. Holding already. So they have. Leave. They have a special edition of their ticket, you know, stupid stuff, you know, like backstage, all the normal stuff. But then every time they do it uh, for the album that they're touring, they'll have a uh, for the people who bought that uh, the tour laminate and the backstage pass and everything. They give you a cassette with all the demos for that album. That oh, that's only, cool. that's but you nice. can't that's buy that cassette cool. on album. Yeah. Like, you can't buy that anywhere unless you were one of those VIP members. That's awesome. That's tight. Yeah. yeah, but my whole thing is I, I want one, but then I also know I'll never listen to it. Why not? It's just like, I know I won't. Come I, over to my place. We'll listen to it. That's on record. I'm going to go over to Brack's place now and <laughs> hang out. We are officially friends. And then yes. don't go chase some waterfalls. <laughs> yes. That was a, this isn't a real podcast, by the way. I just wanted to get that. <laughs> yeah, that's why we invite certain guests on is to be friends with them. So Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of 2016, long time ago. I missed that year. So little. Um, 2016? Yeah. I think yeah, my... No, I, I don't miss it at all. But I think that uh, True Pair was probably my favorite song of 2016. Dude, thank you, man. Thanks. Incredible song. True Pair by Cozy Hawks is so great. And thank you, guys. They're, they're like, um, this is me just geeking out a little bit. But the like, I don't know. What I really like about your drumming is... Um, and this isn't for podcast land. This me just talking just FYI I'm not doing this to talk you up but um, <laughs> what I like about your drumming is it, it, it doesn't feel like you're going out from the aspect of a drummer like okay I should do this it kind of feels like you're doing something like oh this is kind of cool it sounds more creative do it this way where I could do it you know a straight ride hit snare you know it build up into this thing but like I don't know it's hard to explain what I'm talking about it's but melodic drumming yeah it, it, it oh, feels like you're really doing something you write, I don't you write for the song. You don't write for yourself. You write for the song. Yeah, that's really nice. Thank you guys. I don't know. I'm kind of self conscious about my drumming parts more than anything. Actually, I don't know. I feel like bass is one thing I can play and just be like, yeah, that's bassline. It's cool. <laughs> you know, like yeah, whatever. It's done. I really the drums. <laughs> I, I like feel like I overthink the like, drum oh. part uh, for uh, in True Pair when it goes to to trust myself. That part, I don't oh, know shit. if I was yeah. I think that part is so cool because, Thank like, you, when if I were when I listen to that song because I listen to it a ton, um, <laughs> um, that's like my go to in my car is that record. Yeah, and um, whenever I listen to that song, like, I, I'll sometimes I'll listen to songs. Okay, what if I was writing this song? What would I have done? Like in my, I definitely that's would not. Exercise. I would have yeah. definitely not written it that way. And your way is so much better. It's so much more interesting because when I hear it, I'm like, I hear like a and that's so basic but you didn't do that and it's this kind of cool and it kind of like has this nice cadence i don't know thank you man i just wanted to 
crazy for that. But now no. we can get back. When you when you write jump parts, <laughs> when you write jump parts, do you like do you do you think about the guitar first or the bass first or the vocals, or do you try to do a mixture of both? Yeah, that's a really good or point. Through all three, because that that that's that yeah. to me is really really is really really important. And then um, uh, do you know you know Brian Radcliffe? He plays in Half Sleep. Um, He's, 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 really he's a really good drummer. He's a Harry Potter, um, very mathy guy. <laughs> yeah, he plays. Yeah. <laughs> he plays. Uh, he, really he, play, he plays like math rock and, and, and metal. He plays in also Terra Collective. I don't know if you've seen them. No, but, no, 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 uh, no. but so I was talking to him about how he writes his drum parts, and the half sleep is like just like the definition of math rock. It's just like yeah. so mathy, and then it's so gorgeous, and the, the guitarist is just constantly tapping. And he said that he tries to play his tapping parts on drums. Oh, cool, yeah. So, like, it's not just, like, oh, let me get the, let me get all the beats lined up, but, like, ooh, maybe, like, maybe this tom pitch this way at this part will be, like, the best. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, that's I, dope. Yeah. It's, Everybody thinks about it. It's so yeah. fascinating once you get into the world of drumming, like, seeing how other people approach it, because I feel like there's so much variation and creativity in between people. Man, For yeah. sure. it's so fun to watch. Yeah. Even before I started playing drums, I loved watching drummers. Because it's just so fascinating, man. What are your thoughts on open-handed drummers? <clears throat> open, like open, like left hand on the hi hat. If they're a right-handed drummer, correct. I think it's badass. That's what Tim does from Tuggy Bugs. Yeah, I think it's whatever you're like, whatever you're comfortable with. I'll find with, you man. a new drummer, dude. Don't worry, I'll help you out. <laughs> I hate when people. You're better than that, yeah, like, dude. He's killer. Oh, traditional is like the only way, or whatever. I, I like, don't get that at all. No, like, man, yeah. it doesn't make it play whatever makes sense to you. Yeah. Like as long as you can communicate what you're trying to do, like <laughs> yeah, communicate it well. It doesn't matter. The only the only thing that I'll like I'll like get preachy on about drums is like you need to hold that stick better. Like, <laughs> I don't want to see your fingers hold out like that. this. Yeah, like, <laughs> really I was in drumline in high school and I was, they always got on me for my pinky sticking out. Yeah, yeah, that's a fancy And I couldn't stop it. <laughs> I do that on guitar, too. I have, I have nothing against open-handed drummers. It's just something like our, the bassist and moniker, whenever he grabs drumsticks he'll start playing open-handed and I like to give him a hard time. But little does he know, one of my favorite band's drummers plays open-handed. The so, weird the weird thing about... There's no right way. Like we said, it sounds good. I'm just being an ass. The only weird thing about open-handed drummers sometimes is like if they if they play open-handed, on if they play like their left hand on sure. the hat... And then they cross their left hand over, like to play the ride. Oh yeah, that 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 weirds me out. Yeah. That I haven't seen me, that. Yeah, that weirds me out. Well, <laughs> think about it: the right-handed drummer crosses to play the hi hat. Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah, so but this just, this it's just, just a mirror of that. Yeah, and I think that like I think it, it totally is a mirror of that. I think that the uh, like the the issue that I see a lot of times is like the right side is generally where you have like a ton of a ton more shit. Sure. And sure. so like that can be a little more problematic to like yeah. let me go between here and here, like crossing over, trying to hit your four tom, like crossed yeah. over. That that I mean like then, then there's then, you know, there's fills and, and rudiments yeah. where you do that sort of stuff, but like doing a groove with your crossed over sure. on your four tom, no thanks. If you can make it work. Oh yeah, it's totally just that yeah. much more impressive I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn dude, alright. I didn't even know this had a term either, but I guess like open-handed drumming, the ones that I know that are open-handed, the drummers are mostly left-handed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess sure. that's like. The but they learned on like a. But right they played a right kit. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, have you ever seen those drummers who will have like a symbol that's like five feet in the air? Oh like, yeah. I can um, think of two uh, people. It's normally Silver like a Sun crash. pickups. Silver Sun pickups. Yeah. That's one of them. One of the, the drummers. So glad battles. you said battles as well. Yeah. Those are my Is two. Is there a reason for that? I don't know. I guess it's just isolation or so, to look badass. 
<laughs> Have you ever seen yeah. Silver Sun pickups live? Because he's just like, thing. yeah, he's sitting there playing. And he's like, bah! he's got to like but fully extend his arm, and it, it does it looks help crazy. with bleed, like in Tom yes. Bikes and stuff. Yeah. It helps with and, bleed. And with battles, I think it fine. does. It does add more emphasis because battles is such a like a they're, they're he's he's basically just playing a shuffle like every single song, some form of shuffle, and he rarely ever hits his crash. So when yeah. he does hit it, it is really really cool to see him just like stand up and smack the hell out totally. of that thing. Dude, Alex and I were talking about this the other day, man. Like, drummers that use their cymbals super sparingly. Like, you can always make drums sound so much cooler if there's way less cymbals going on. Like, less sustainy, splashy stuff and more of, like, straight-up kick, snare, high. Obviously, it depends on the genre, but, like, right. you can treat drums so much cooler after the fact if, it's, if it's a really simple part. See, you know? see, for me, I'm, like, I'm, I'm really into, like, the idea of cymbals. And especially recently, yeah. I've been really into stacking. Oh, and totally. like that is like that is like in a similar vein is like you sit on the like, you, you pick a hi hat kick snare that's it yeah take like one of my favorite stacks that I see drummers do is you take a china and you stack a trash crash on top of it as if it was a hi hat stack oh sure yeah and that's gonna have like 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 no sustain that's whatsoever. like super dry yeah exactly yeah. which is also the hip thing right now is yeah. all the dry stuff. It's the hip drumming. Well, there's a reason, man. Like, like I said, you can just do so much cooler shit yeah. with it after the fact. It makes it more rhythmic, I would feel. Yeah, and there's just less, you know, shit going on, so you can get more heavy-handed with effects and yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. I don't know. Welcome to the drummers podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the drummer cast. Welcome. So, all of us in this room, except for you, are from Denton and are part of you know the Denton scene, and we all. You know, when we discuss it a lot on this podcast. I'm just curious what the like Austin music scene, or not even the music scene, because like the Denton scene isn't just music. There's art, or even just yeah. going to the square to you know grab a bite to eat. There's foodies. Yeah. There's all types of stuff. So, just curious what your look on um, the Austin scene, whether it be music, food, whatever. What your look on Austin is, dude. Austin in general, like just the just art scene. Whatever you want. Yeah. That's a hard question to answer because there are so many scenes, and I feel like I feel like I'm one part of one, which is like the garage rock, indie rock, you know, same dozen, couple dozen bands playing together in the yeah. shows kind of scene. But dude, there's a little bit of everything in every part of town. Um, that's part of what's cool about living in Austin is there's like huge pockets of culture everywhere. Uh, that's what's cool about it. What's not cool about it is that it's hard to get involved in some of that stuff since it's so big and it is kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of exclusive in a way. So, something if you've been there. Yeah. I would, uh, yeah. I would imagine it's, it's difficult also with like, Austin. Austin's a big place, but it's not a big place, yeah. you know? And it, every time I've gone, it's like, I like this place, but man, it's, it's, this just feels like so condensed and so like everybody's right here. Yeah. Yeah. And so I imagine not only like it, it being difficult with like, it is somewhat exclusive, but also it's just like everybody's in one area and everybody's trying to do the same shit or similar shit. So that, I imagine that would like, that would make me hella nervous. Like if I moved to Austin and I was like, I'm going to play music here. Everyone and their mom's doing it. Yeah, Shit. as a musician, it's daunting because I feel like people get stuck in the Austin scene. They get stuck in the circuit of playing the same venues. And even, I mean, y'all might have counter examples, but I, 
find myself thinking, I don't know a ton of like big artists that come out of Austin. I don't know a lot of names that I hear that come out of Austin. Gary Clark Jr.? Yeah, that's there. the only one. Yeah, there's like there's Gary Clark Jr. Yeah. Spoon. That's like what I usually hear people I say. I didn't know Spoon was from there. Um, and like, they're great. Uh, but yeah, it is a little daunting. I think... I think part of how you temper it is not become one of those bands who plays every weekend all the time and try to make try to make your shows like more meaningful in yeah. a way. Try to create a set that's more than just a guitar-driven indie rock set. Um, those are some of the only ways you can set yourself apart. That and just good songs. There are a couple bands. Lamelda is probably my favorite local band. Y'all should all give them a listen. Who just... Um, that's some of the most insane melodies and lyrics and uh, musicianship. And it makes it... They don't play very often. And I think that probably adds to it, too. It's a show that every time they're in town, I want to make sure I go to. I think that's one of the things that, like, helps an Austin musician succeed. Is there... Uh, so, from what I've heard from Duncan Fellows, you guys have your certain, like, vibe where it is kind of like that indie, you know kind of folky sounding but it, it's definitely more indie and um there i don't know a ton of bands from austin but i know a couple and um there's this one band that i played an acoustic show with here in denton called wonder bitch and i don't know if you've ever heard them but they're definitely they're like this kind of like synth synth rock maybe even synth pop band and it's just like I, is there like that scene because definitely here in denton we have like you know there's kind of like a noise scene there's a you know, everything else scene, they're just like a metal scene. There's not a huge metal scene, but we have our scenes, like yeah. art scenes and all. Is that like, does that ring true in Austin? Like, are there like certain like, oh yeah, there's the, the metal shows. You go to Mohawk for <laughs> metals or you go to this and like, is there uh, that kind of stuff? Dude, yes and no. Like we've played Mohawk a bunch of times. Um, there are those scenes, but also part of what's cool about some of the Austin venues, especially the ones that are like listen to safe spaces or gay bars even if they're not necessarily like gay bars is that it allows for all kinds of different uh music and people play there just based on booking shows with friends and it does create kind of a cool community vibe around the music as opposed to the genre yeah i would say but uh yeah definitely those scenes pop up and so i don't i've heard like two different answers to this question and like a lot of uh people uh from austin they they like either love people who live in austin or or are from austin either love south by southwest or just kind of despise it because they're like oh you know people have this like you know they come here and they experience austin they're like oh i love austin but they're just experiencing south by and you know they don't experience the true culture like how do you feel about that i'm just curious because um, I've heard it both ways. People sometimes love it. People sometimes hate it who are from there. Yeah, that's a hard question. It's easy to hate it if you're from there, but that's mostly because of traffic and the fact that I want to say South by Southwest brings something like 5 to 10 million people, mm-hmm. Austin being of a population of 1 million. So that's like just ridiculous crowding. So that's mostly why people hate it. But in terms of a music festival, um, if you're not trying to see like Justin Timberlake secret show then South by Southwest is cool because there's so much music and everything at least the stuff that's curated by South by Southwest is almost always good you're gonna find something good yeah I mean you can 
find some incredible stuff there. I always have an amazing time, but I could see how some people would be bitter towards it. I mean, I walked into a show there, and there was a band playing in the middle of the crowd, and I was like, oh, this band's incredible. And they're like, yeah, it's Yonatan Gott from uh, New York. And then, like, a month later, I was at a... There's a house venue just down the street from this house, and I walked over, and I was like, holy shit, that's the band from South By, and exactly. it's just crazy. And it's stuff like, like, yeah, stuff like that. Like, I saw... This was my freshman or sophomore year of high school. I saw Twin Peaks, um, and I saw them on accident. I thought they were a band called like Twin Forks or some other. I didn't even mean to see them. They were nobodies at that point. And the dude like had a cast for his broken leg, was snorting coke on stage, and like this was so many years ago. I'm like, oh, these guys are jokes. And then I mean, here they are right now, obviously killing it. Yeah. Um, so it's it's great for that kind of stuff. Would you say that that kind of, like, characterized, like, would you say that if you only know Austin, you're only someone who has gone to Austin during South by Southwest, would you say, okay, that is you, that is Austin culture, or would you say, oh, no, that's just that festival, and that you really haven't experienced what Austin is truly like? Oh, yeah, dude, not at all, that is not, that is just the, just the festival, the culture is so much more, I mean, it's more vibrant and varied, and, yeah. Yeah. You guys got great food. Hell yeah, man. You guys gotta get fed well there. Dude, there's unbelievable food. What was that one place we went? I always forget. It's like the Vietnamese. Cilantro. Cilantro's great, yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, we probably sound basic saying that, but I love it. Well, yeah, it's like, well, it's like we we went to to Torchies and we were in Austin, and there's Torchies in the DFW. We're like, yeah, let's go to Torchies. And some of our Austin friends were like, oh, it's so fucking stupid. You should go to the taco shop and sit around the corner. It's a hole in the wall. And like, we don't know what that is. We're not from here. We don't know where to find that. Tell us where it is. (laughs) I'll go anywhere. I just want to eat. Torchies is also hella good, so. But. What are you listening to? <laughs> what are you listening to nowadays? What am I listening to nowadays? Uh, Chris Cohen. I like his stuff a lot. Uh, I've been listening a little bit to this old British kind of post-punk band called Crisis. Pretty cool. I, li- I try to listen to a lot of different stuff, man. I don't know. There's some like world music bands I've been listening to lately. Um, Orchestra Polyrhythmo. Um, I don't know much about them. I feel like a Brazilian kind of like funk samba sort of band. <laughs> uh, what else? Meters, kind of old school funk stuff. I can never keep up with you. I'm always like, I'll ask you, I'll walk up to you, and like we'll talk and get up and get into a like discussion about music, and you'll mention bands. I'm like, oh, I haven't heard of that, and I'll go check them out, and then I'll talk to you again. I'm like, yeah, so I'll check it out. You're, you're already on to like 20 different bands. I'm like, dude, how? I don't Seriously. know, man. Honestly, like, sometimes I'll go through periods of finding a lot of new music, and then I'll go through periods of, of you know, yeah. working on music and not listening to as much. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how it goes, but um, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else specific. We were talking about Home Shake earlier. I've been digging Home Shake a lot lately. We're about to be digging there. Super back. <laughs> yeah, Jack's new to that now. Jack just showed me a guy that Alex, uh, Alex yeah. G, right? Yeah. Alex so, G? So I've been listening yeah, yeah. To, I'm listening to Alex, Alex G. Alex G. He's he been a huge inspiration for me. Uh, Dirty Projectors have a new album coming oh, out. Yeah, I've man. been listening to their singles. They're cool. super tight. Dude, uh... Helvetia, man. I just got turned on to them like earlier this year and I didn't realize they have like a huge... It's one of the guys from Built to Spill, I think. Um, 
but the band's called Helvetia. I think they're from Seattle. Really cool indie rock stuff. Actually, some of that Alex G stuff reminded me a lot of it. Yeah. Very, very neat. Yeah, his album, their stuff. Beach Music, is really good. Dude, he, it's incredible. He played in Dallas, like, not too long ago, and he played a tiny club. No shit. Like, like 10 bucks, yeah, he, maybe a little less to get in. Damn, like, that's cool. Gotta go to that. Yeah, it's great when you can find artists like that who are, like, incredible, but, like, they're not, like, playing these huge yeah. shows where you have to pay, like, 30 to 50 bucs to see. Sure, it's still flying a little bit yeah. over the radar. It's unfortunate. It's a selfish thing to say that. I hope, you know, he's playing, you know, arenas someday in yeah. his life. But I do appreciate being able to walk up to a bar and turn. It's like, oh, there's Alex G right next to me. Dude, people yeah. turn on turn on bands so fast as soon yeah. as they get a little bit mainstream. Look at Mac DeMarco, man. Everybody loves to yeah. hate on Mac DeMarco, but... Yeah. Still Everybody music. liked his music when it was, you know, yeah. not everywhere. Not playing at every Urban Outfitters in the world. <laughs> and now that it is, people are like, oh. Uh, I was just going to say, one last thing is Pine Grove. I've been listening to this whole year. Cool. I actually have two friends' bands touring with them now, which fills me with extreme jealousy. And, and I'm proud of them. But I just wish I was them. <laughs> See, I can keep up with no, you, but I can't keep up with Brack. <laughs> your your name and stuff I know. I'm like, okay, I get this, I understand. But uh definitely can't keep up with Brack sometimes. He's name and stuff I've never heard of. Catch you up, man. <laughs> Do you guys have anything else? No, I think so. Alright, so um Jack, new solo album. You can find him at Duncan Fellows, until then, do you know when the album's coming out? The album should be coming out, let's say, late February, early March. So definitely 2017. Oh, yeah. Very soon. In the next month or two, it's probably going to be under the name Cosmic Sands. Nice. Cool. So look out for that. Um, yeah, a couple sure. weeks after this episode comes out, probably. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, I'm sure Duncan Fellows will post it, but if you can't find it... We'll we'll post it in the link somewhere uh, whenever it does come out, and then Brack is Dojo Baby Records. I guess that's what Correct. we summed up for you. You can find me on the old Facebook. Yeah, if you have recording needs, go to Brack Cantrell. Even if you're not from Denton, Texas, you yeah, can. And if you want to go record in the barn, yeah, yeah. Brack he's will down, apparently. Brack will <laughs> relocate. He's an incredible dude to work with. I mean, from personal experience, he's just fun. I didn't know him when I first recorded with him, and now I'm having a nice chat with him <laughs> over some brewskis. Here we are. So now we're gonna cue the cat song. <laughs>